1: on, guys. Welcome to another episode of Pure Pleasure with Dewey Hulpus on Vision Records and Sound Talent Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. This week, we have an episode that has been in the works for four years. Now, that is the longest, I believe, it has ever taken a guest to come on this show, uh, whether it be circumstances out of our control, cancellations, whatever, Uh, There's always some juggling that goes on, but we went back through this email chain and from the email saying, yeah, let's do it to us doing it is a little over four years. And the person I am speaking of is Cody Vadalato from the Blood Brothers, from J.R. Slayer, from Headwound City, from Jaguar Love. The dude is one of the most, and I say this word all the time, prolific. One of the most prolific musicians I have seen is so many different bands so many very influential bands uh, and just a uh, he has really made his mark on music. And he's someone I've wanted to have on for a very long time and that's why we've stuck with it trying to make it happen. And we did. So J.R. Slayer is releasing a new EP called Not Rotten. It is fantastic. It is coming out shortly. I think the announcement is probably already out. I hope it is because <laughs> we're releasing this. Uh, but we talk a bit about that, but we talk a lot about uh, the history of Cody, his life. Um, the many iterations of careers he's had, falling into different jobs, working in television, tour managing, uh, all sorts of stuff. A super interesting chat, uh, and I had a blast. And I'm really glad it happened when it did instead of four years ago because we had a lot more to discuss. A lot more had happened. Cody had been through a lot of stuff in the last few years, and that's partially why it took so long. Um, so I'm really excited for you guys to hear this. I'm really excited for you to hear the new GR Slayer EP. Um, so check it out. Uh, let's get some business out of the way and we'll jump right into this one. So, rockabilia.com is sponsoring this episode. Pier15 is the code for 15% off your order. Rockabilia.com with over 500,000 items officially licensed from the bands in the store. Go check it out. You're going to find something you like. Most guests on the show have merchandise on that website. Uh, and we really appreciate having them on as a sponsor. So, Pier15 is the code P E E R 15 for 15% off your order over at rockabilia.com. Uh, pleasure Podcast.com is the website. Peerpleasurepod at gmail.com is the email if you want to get in touch with me with guest ideas or comments or questions. Uh, we also have the Facebook group, the Peer Pleasure Podcast Inner Circle. Head over to Facebook and join up on that. And we also have the premium service, which has the videos of the episodes, the past cast, as well as the ad-free feed, and that is peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm. Uh, we are rapidly approaching episode 300, Uh is getting closer by the day. Uh, I'm really excited for this one. I think it's going to be really good. Uh, So stick with us for that. And without further ado, let's jump into this conversation with the one and only Cody Vadalato. how are you good how are you doing I'm great I am great there we go there you are (laughs) good to see you my man wow you too
0: this has been many years uh four years (laughs) in the making
1: (laughs) I was laughing about this earlier because I was looking because I mean this happens a lot where we uh like connect and then try to work something (laughs) out things get in the way things I mean Life happens, right? And it, it happens all the time. And so it's happened a few times like this where it's been a long time, but I think this is officially the longest. At four years, um, back and four years, almost four years in November. <laughs> I went back to the email I was, chain. I
0: was looking looking back at our emails. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this this guy still wants to talk to me. Yeah. Oh, of course.
1: <laughs> of course. I love that. Like, I always say I'm glad it happens when it happens, like when it does, because it's the right yeah. time, right? Like, Yeah, for sure. If we did this four years ago, who knows what we would have talked about and, and where it would have gone. But that doesn't even matter because it didn't happen. So it, yeah, yeah. now is the time. And uh <laughs> I've been stoked, man. You get requested so much on this show over really? the year. Oh yeah. Constantly. If wow. I throw something up on social media or something like who should I talk to this year? Cody's in there every time.
0: Oh, that's cool. Every yeah. time.
1: And damn, uh, that's awesome. you and Mark both actually. Uh um, yeah. Have yeah. you been able to talk to him? No, I haven't. I'm 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 friends with Rudy from the Gatsby's yeah. days. We used mm-hmm. to tour together, but I've never even met Mark. Um, oh, damn. But uh I'll reach out to him eventually. I, I just, I try to space things out a little bit too, especially if, uh, cause Johnny's been on and Johnny's who connected yeah. you and I, and then Jordan's yeah, been right. on, Jordan wants to come back on and, and, uh, there's just such a, such a history there. Um, yeah. people are very sure. interested in, in what's going <laughs> on and where people are at and all that stuff, but yeah, um, for sure. But welcome, man. Welcome. And, and, uh, like I said, I'm glad it's happening now. This is great. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. How are things going? You're you're in LA? Uh,
0: Yes. Um, I live in Los Feliz um, on the east side, and I've been here since 2016.
1: Okay. And you came down from Seattle? Seattle, yeah. Or were you in Redmond or were you in Seattle proper? I I went to high school in Redmond. Okay. Um,
0: You know, so I... I moved to the, from Texas, but I I moved to Seattle. We moved to Bothell when I was 10. Okay. Lived in Bothell through my like junior high days. And then when when I was going into high school, we moved to Redmond. And so I went to Redmond High School. And then, you know, shortly after that, left on tour for many years. And then when (laughs) I came back as an adult, I I moved out of my mom's house finally into, into Capitol Hill.
1: Yeah. Okay. Right on, man. I, yeah. uh, I have my family moved to Renton uh, in 2005. I moved down from Alaska in 2000 to Portland, and they moved to my grandpa's house in Renton. So all my uh, grandparents yeah. lived in Redmond. So oh, I spent cool. a lot of time there growing up. So mm-hmm. meeting everyone in kind of that uh, Redmond firehouse scene through touring was interesting to me just seeing other people that live there because I never I would hang out with my grandparents I'd never go hang out with anybody else so it's weird meeting people my own age that live there you know yeah such a strange experience Um, yeah and
0: it's, it's also you know that that place specifically the Redmond fire the old firehouse in Redmond um the fact that that place existed and and what it was and the bands that came through and played there it's like why like it still kind of boggles my mind that a venue like that, like you know, Jawbreaker, Fugazi, like like big, big bands would come play this suburb of Seattle that didn't really have any, you know, like there were just these awesome people who were putting together this community. And, you know, such a such a cool place. I went to my first ever show there, you know, I I played my first ever show there um in the Blood Brothers. And you know, that that venue and the people that ran it just really you know they they created an, an environment for young people to kind of get it together and you know it's it's interesting you say like seeing other people like you know cuz there weren't really people my age like into music, you know, my brother, Rocky, definitely, like he got me into it. You know, I was hearing my first bands was through him. And then, mm-hmm. but still he was older and, you know, I kind of was like a tag along with him and his friends. And then there were only probably five or six other people my age. And then, you know, fast forward, whatever, they became blood brothers.
1: <laughs> yeah. Dude, you know, there was uh, so that, I want to talk about that too, because that's where I first kind of heard things, but so mm-hmm. Redmond, Redmond for me as a child was go to my grandparents' house, then go with my grandpa to the post office, bartel mm-hmm. drugs, uh, oh. and then back home. That was his that was his errands during the day. We would bartel go to Drug. I haven't thought of that place <laughs> in so long. <laughs> uh and then uh we would go to El Torredor, the mm-hmm. the Mexican restaurant. Uh, we still go there to to this yeah. day when we're in town. And my grandmother uh, was interiors by carol which was across the street in that brick building uh mm-hmm. which is now the matador um, yeah but those were the only places we went this was pre-microsoft boom uh taking over the town so yeah. such an interesting interesting town uh but the first thing the first the first time first time i was exposed to the blood brothers and what you were doing was um uh, what was the name of them there was a magazine that had it was black and white came out like three mm-hmm. times a year four times a year and there was a picture of you guys playing like a basement show or something and I was like uh-huh. okay two singers everyone's going nuts it was just one like blurry picture yeah. and I was like that's a cool band name and I started reading the reading the liner notes in the in the magazine and I was like this sounds really interesting but I never checked it out and yeah. then we ended up touring uh to Colorado and got left by our manager and he took the van and everything we got stuck there with a band called fear for the march flames oh yeah who worshipped you guys <laughs> they referred to you guys as the lord oh, like that's God. it they that didn't even so say funny. the band name. you guys were the lord really? <laughs> it, it's ridiculous and but they had it, all the records at that point and they like we dove into it and then i saw cool. the jungle rules uh dvd yeah uh, from the firehouse yeah and i was like this is absolutely bonkers And I fell in love and, uh, but it was this weird progression.
0: So that's, that was your first exposure to the band was seeing that DVD. Yeah. Uh, Aside from hearing the music,
1: uh, seeing it live was on DVD and it was, and Uh, I went and watched it the other night just because I hadn't seen it in so long on YouTube. Is it still good? It's still good, man. (laughs) The video quality is not great, but the, the show is amazing. And you can feel the energy um, and then of course I started working at venues, uh, when I wasn't touring and you guys came through all the time. So I saw you guys like yeah. four times, uh, yeah. probably five times maybe in Portland and it was great because I saw like almost, almost, uh, every album cycle after burn piano Island. Oh, so cool. it was awesome. It was good to see all those iterations of the band and the sound. Um, yeah. and not to like throw it all out here in the beginning, but I don't know if you listened to the episode, uh, I did with Jordan or Johnny, but
0: my Mm -hmm. band anatomy
1: of a ghost we broke up kind of suddenly and we were supposed to record at robert lang with john goodmanson Oh, we broke up and then that time and john went to record crimes oh that's so crazy which is so wild and i love that record so yeah that was an interesting tie together yeah
0: that that is
1: that is crazy
0: um that you that you mentioned that as well because one other person that i know like told me sort of a similar story not not exactly the same but um Britt daniel from spoon was telling me about how they were actually talking to john about doing i think it was it was gonna what was to be gimme fiction Uh uh-huh and and he said he was like yeah all of a sudden like i just i didn't hear from him again and then he was recording this hardcore band and you know, this, <laughs> is, <laughs> he, was, he was like, you know, I was like, what is the, the fuck is the blood brothers? Like yeah. what the hell? And then like, you know, so, so I think it was kind of, you know, that's so funny. He was meant to do you guys, you broke up. And then uh-huh. he was like a new spoon. And then he ended up doing our record, which, you know, truly was a dream come true for us at the time. Um, Because we just grew up like, you know, listening to, all the bands he recorded basically, you know, mm-hmm. it in, in shaped a lot of what we were doing and what we were about. And so that,
1: that was really exciting. Dude. That's awesome. Like I, I, he was just strung out everywhere. <laughs> he, <laughs> I, he came it's down funny. one time for pre-production with us and then we went on tour and we broke up on tour. So it just, we never ah, talked yeah. to him again. <laughs> yeah. We had the whole album ready and he's just like, man, these are just a bunch of parts. I was like, that's kind of how we do things. And yeah. Uh, anyway. Either here or there, neither here nor there. Yeah, uh,
0: he's great. I love him. Um, You know, any opportunity I get to do stuff with him, I I will always take.
1: Yeah, dude, absolutely. I, I, one thing I've always admired about what you do is is being uh, like the lone guitar player and creating (laughs) such a space for so much to happen. And and on crimes, when every it seemed like everything took a step back and got really minimal and there was so much more space yeah and it was super interesting like i i that's my favorite blood bro, bro, Blood brothers record is is crimes because of that minimal it's just like there's it, it, i always think about how much energy and and uh uh substance can be in in the space between mm-hmm. right like and, and yeah. i don't know how active that shift was for you then but uh I've always been curious about it because it, it, yeah. everything just didn't necessarily slow down, just was minimalized. Less distortion, yeah. more yeah. space. Can you talk about that for a minute? I, I'm just curious.
0: Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you know, I think that the writing of, of Burn Piano Island Burn was like a really, really crazy experience for the band because we, you know, up until we, and, you know, I'm starting there and, and I'll lead into Primes, but, sure. I, but I think it matters. Um, yeah basically we had like, you know, only ever recorded for a couple of days at a time, or, you know, we paid like an hourly practice space to get together, you know, a few times a week and, you know, pull our money together to spend two hours figuring out our songs. And then we'd go into the studio for a few days and then that would be the record. And like, you know, with burn, all of a sudden we were, you know, we had signed a record, like a real record deal and they were paying for things and, you know, they paid for us to have a our own rehearsal space in, you know, downtown Seattle. And all of a sudden we quit our jobs. You know, I, I mean, I was working at like a burrito restaurant, you know, I didn't really have a lot of like real direction. I was going to community college, um, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I mean, I, I certainly was not of the mindset that, you know, I'm going to be a career musician or, you know, like my band is going to make me money and, you know, we're going to be famous. that just wasn't really a necessarily a goal for the band. Um, and so, you know, like it, when we started writing Burn Piano on Burn, we had this practice space and basically our intention every day was to go in and write an album. And so now we just had, you know, seven to eight hours a day to, mess around in the practice space and make noise and work on songs and jam. And, you know, and like, we really like making that record, just like we were just throwing every idea. And that's why that album's crazy is because everyone had some weird idea and everyone was down to just like make everything disjointed and avant and like just patch things together. Um, and so like, you know, that's how that album ended up very crazy. And then I think when we like went into, to write crimes, You know, I, I know for myself, I had started listening to like a lot of Elliot Smith, a lot of like old country music and just sort of, and Bob Dylan and getting really into like, kind of just more traditional songwriting in general and, and playing and, you know, thinking about not overplaying and make, you know, like how, how can you fit into the song in a way that that makes it, better as a whole as opposed to like showcasing yourself for four and a half minutes um so you know i was getting into like classical music too at the time um classical guitar and i I was trying to like just figure out any kind of different sort of stuff to do um and you know i think because of all of that, I just sort of started to simplify my playing, um, and obviously wanted it to still sound aggressive, um, and crazy, and it is chaotic at times, but I think what, what we ended up with, you know, collectively, and I know for myself was something a little more cohesive, uh, just because we were, you know, we had already made an album that was complete chaos. Um, so I, I don't know if that maybe is kind of where that started. Um, but, you know, I think that it's probably a pretty good like description of sort of the, the switch into like more melodic playing. And I was always into pop music, Mm -hmm. you know, much more than probably anyone else in the band. And so, you know, I would, I would lean towards more like melodic stuff and like, you know, pretty stuff. And, you know, like I liked I liked pop punk and emo. And, you know, like our bass player liked jazz and, you know, the Jesus lizard and our drummer liked Wu Tang. And, you know, Johnny was obsessed with Prince and Jordan and came, you know, like and then like <laughs> <laughs> and we were all trying to like make this kind of band. And that's
1: how we ended up like sounding like we did, you know? Yeah. I, I don't know if that, that answers your question. It does. It does. It makes a lot of sense. And it, it makes me think about like were you guys aware of of like the San Diego scene going on back in the like with Antioch Arrow and, and all those guys? Like I know yeah, you were buddies with JP were mutual friends with JP, uh is a fantastic human being. Um but is that where a lot of the influence of the early days came from? Was that scene? yeah, for sure. I mean, I you know,
0: the moment I heard Swing Kids, I was like obsessed. And yeah, you know, I, I think I would I would attribute a lot of my early guitar playing to Swing Kids, Shotmaker, Drive Like Jehu. I mean, Shotmaker was Canadian, but like mm-hmm. Jehu, Swing Kids, um you know, Antioch Arrow, Right uh, Coalition, who were, you know, East Coast, but like those were like sort of like the, if you listen to our first records, you could probably like hear all of those bands pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, and then of course, like Seattle bands like Botch and, you know, Absolutely. Hardcore band of that nature, like I was obsessed with as well. So it's just like sort of like trying to put all those together to make like you know whatever our band was going to sound like.
1: Yeah, absolutely, dude. Like the the actually those shows I was talking about where I saw you guys when I was working in the club, I was working with Mac Man and Aaron Montaigne. So they, oh, they cool. were bartenders yeah. and security at the club with me. Mm-hmm. And so when Blood Brothers came through, I hadn't heard of that those bands were that scene yet. Oh, so really? they're like, you know, you know where these guys get some of this sound from. I'm like, no, like you, and know, it's like, like you know, we created this band. Mac points up at the at the <laughs> ceiling, and it's the Antioch Arrow uh, record on the, mm-hmm. the sleeve on the wall. And he's like, "That's mm-hmm. my old band. You should check it out. If you like these guys, you'll like this." I yeah. checked it out. I was like, "This is great," and I went down the rabbit hole. But it started. With Blood Brothers, which was cool, I really appreciated yeah. that about what you guys. Yes, yeah, so I see too, we got so. into like Angel Hair and the VSS. Oh, yeah. And- yeah, I had Sunny K on the show too. He was he was oh, a great very chat, cool. amazing yeah, dude. Awesome. But uh, yeah, yeah, I drove I drove down that rabbit hole like of so many bands. Yeah, um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff. Absolutely, but when you changed, you you, say, you know you're into pop music. I grew up on pop music as well. Uh, but when you changed over to listening to classical, like trying to – you said you were trying to find anything else to listen to. What sparked that? Like were you getting tired of listening um, to what you were I, listening to or was it I just mean, trying to grow? You
0: no, know, I, I don't think I was ever, you know, one had one direction. I, I kind of always – you know, like, because I, I, you know, I played in waxwing with Rocky. And uh-huh. so like, I, I liked all of that kind of emo and like that kind of more like melodic rhythmic stuff. Um, you know, I not and I think it was like a, a conscious like shift, like this is now what I'm listening to. I've definitely go through phases where like, you know, when I was young, I got very, just like focused on Deathwish kids, palatka locust swing kids, like VSS, these bands are all I want to listen to. And like, you know, Jehu and, uh, but I also was obsessed with Elliot Smith and I loved unwound and, you know, red Star's theory and modest mouse and like death cab, like all the, all the like sort of Seattle, you know, like music that wasn't hardcore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but we all kind of existed together at the same time. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that it was completely intentional. You know, I wish, I wish I could say that it, I was like, yeah, this is exactly what I wanted to do and I accomplished it. Um, but I sort of tend to do things more intuitively. Mm -hmm. Um, and just like based on like a feeling like when I, especially when I play, like if I sit down to write, it's usually coming from like, you know, I'll just start strumming or, you know, strumming and singing or playing a piano part or something that feels good to me. And if something feels good, then I start to develop rather than like, I have this very specific goal of this sound or this, like, you know, exact thing that I want to do and how am I going to do it? Um, you know, which slows me down because sometimes I think you do need a little more intention when you're doing things, but also like, I'm, I'm so feeling based that, you know, I usually can just feel something out and figure something out.
1: Have you always been that way? I think so. Yeah. I don't think that,
0: you know, we ever really, I mean, it was painful making some of those songs and those records, but all of the like really great stuff just came together very naturally. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I think for the most part, a lot of crimes came together very naturally um, and fast, like a song like trash flavor trash. Like, you know, I think I wrote those riffs on an acoustic guitar, like, you know, at my house 10 minutes before I went to the practice space that day and then like showed up early and was, you know, there with Mark and I was like, Hey, I have this, like, let's like jam on this. And so it's like, you know, then the band came in I was like, Hey, we have this idea. And then we like the that song was probably, you know, finished in a couple hours, you know, it was, and it wasn't like, this is the whole song. It was like, I had a couple of riffs. And then those riffs turned into, you know, everyone putting their stamp on it. And then, you know,
1: mm-hmm. did you but, start out that way? Uh, you weren't taking guitar lessons or anything like that when you started, do you teach yourself? No, I would
0: you know, I pretty much was like your typical younger brother. I was obsessed with, with Rocky mm-hmm. and played the guitar and, you know, it was all I wanted to do. And I remember like, I would play, both hit you know, both Rocky and my other brother, Sonny, their guitars like all the time. That's all I wanted to do. And all I wanted was a guitar for Christmas. And I remember like getting a guitar for that Christmas. And I think I was in like probably the seven, I want to say like seventh or eighth grade, like, I wasn't really quite there, you know, like I was into skating um, and, and, They bought me this like acoustic guitar that was just like a piece of trash. You know, (laughs) it was like it was definitely like the guitar you buy your kid when you're like, we don't think he's going to be able to play this or like, you know, we don't want to spend money on it. So, you know, um, let's just get him this cheap one and see like and I'm pretty sure like I knew like even as a kid, I was like, I'm not I can't play this. Like, and I never touched it. I just kept playing my brother's guitars. Mm -hmm. And so basically Rocky, like, you know, just taught me to play the guitar and then I just played all the time. And then eventually like I saved up money and bought like a Epiphone SG or something, or like, you know, some cheap guitar. And then pretty much just like he showed me the chords and some of what to do. And then I just played and played and played. I never really knew much about theory or, you know, like being a real musician or anything. (laughs) I just got to figure it out. And then I found like friends to play with and then, you know, we played together and then that also, you know, made you better because you're learning things from them and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, developing from there.
1: Dude, one thing I think about very, very often is that what you said, like a real musician, like the music theory and the, was it the grimoire and all that stuff, guitar and all these things, all it seems to me, and this not to to trivialize it, but it just seems like it teaches you how to be in a room with others and have to basically jump in anywhere, right? Like, you know Mm -hmm. what the key of the songs in and you can get along, right? Like you can, Oh, oh, uh, my band, it was on a different flight and they can't make it. So here's the, here's the music of what we're playing tonight. Right. It has its purpose. But I don't think it it doesn't provide the struggle, the struggle that it takes to to do things like you do by feel to, yeah. to hash it out like you can. There's people that are really good with theory They're OK, you want a sad song. OK, I'm going to use these chords. It's like going to a toolbox and having mm-hmm. all the tools versus the guy on the YouTube <laughs> making the video on how he's doing his van or whatever. And he doesn't have what he needs, but he's going out and finding it. Right. And, and the, the yeah. struggle to get there. And the journey is so much cooler
0: mm-hmm. when you
1: have that. And, and that feeling comes through in in the right, like guitar playing, especially like it's in the hands, right? Like it, it's it, of course you use your hands, but it's in your it's in your like right hand or left hand, whichever strumming hand you're in. Like, yeah, you can tell who's playing a lot of the time playing a song mm-hmm. you've never heard. Right. Like Hendrix or something. You know, it's all in the hands like you could have someone give them a guitar, same guitar, same amp. This is something that's going to be really cool. There's like a there's a this a whole tangent, but there's the punk rock museum that's opening up in Vegas. And yeah, is that Mike, Mike,
0: Fat uh, Mike, yeah, said,
1: Mike. Yeah. and yeah. they're going to have like Fletcher from Pennywise. They're going to have his guitar and amp sitting there and you can play it. But I guarantee none of them are going to sound like that. Right. None <laughs> of them are going to sound. You could go play Hendrix's guitar and you're not going to sound like Hendrix because it's not that hand you can get your gear and no one's going to sound like you because it's not yeah there's 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 feel that's you know i mean i I think anybody can can play rhythm or
0: you know like maybe sit in but there's certain certain things that individuals do on an instrument that you know are unique to them and that no one else could do um which is pretty cool yeah Uh, but you know i i don't think that like I think my guitar playing is pretty like easy. It's it's not hard. Like it's <laughs> people be like, you gotta show me how to do that. I'm like, it's not hard. You just just
1: figure it out. It's easy. Like <laughs> that's the beauty of it, though. That's the be- the beauty and the simplicity. Like people over over uh, uh, just just try too hard, right? <laughs> like for what you were doing, you were doing exactly what you needed to do, and you're doing it very well. And it it like I said, it created. A canvas for everyone else to shine as well like Mm -hmm. it wasn't just one person that made that band great like it was it was everybody but you were laying that groundwork down for everything else to and that's such a a, a, i love that kind of stuff like i gravitate towards that versus who's out front and making the most noise it's like where is this coming from like where is the where is the the basis of this and that's exactly what i feel you were the best at was just getting that yeah, laying cool. the groundwork and that was so cool to me. And and yeah. you know, um if you're well, watching interviews and stuff, like things like that, like you're it's very rare to see you in an interview setting when it was uh-huh. everyone else, right? Like and it's like I, I also love that. So I was like, what is this dude about? <laughs> who is this guy? Like and that's what I was so intrigued. It's like who the fuck yeah. is this guy?
0: Yeah. I mean I you know I wish I could I could take all the credit for you know putting the first layer of paint on the wall for every blood brothers song. But truly that, that, that band was, you know, it was the soup that of, of five individuals, you know, there was no, no definitive leader in the band. There was no, like, in terms of like, this is what we're going to sound like, or this is what we're going to do. Or, you know, like, we would have discussions like we like maybe like we're missing a, a song that like has this kind of feel. That would be like the most we would ever like preconceive a song. You know, I think I think Johnny was the only one who ever probably brought any songs that were like sort of actually pieced together like a real song from the start. Otherwise it was mostly jamming or like, you know, Mark and I showing up to the practice space 15 minutes early on accident and like jamming. And like, that's like how we ended up with a song, like love rhymes. Mm -hmm. Like he and I just were there. No one had shown up yet we were like kind of messing around. And I think I played the riff and he was like, what's that? And I was like, I don't know. And then like, (laughs) you know, we just kept playing it and then the band showed up and I was like, check out this idea. Like, you know, let's, let's start working on this. And then, you know, that song was even kind of a controversial song for us because it was really our first, uh, you know, attempt at something that was not super aggressive or abrasive even, Mm -hmm. uh, you know,
1: so. Well, I did. And that's, I I remember that time very clearly when I heard that for the first time, cause that's what I was like, wow. Okay. This is really stripped down. It was great. Like, um, and I, I, uh, I want to, I want to, there's one more thing I want to talk about with you. Blood, blood, blood brothers related. Yeah. Before we move on from it. Cause I, I don't want to just talk about the blood brothers the whole time because <laughs> you're doing some amazing stuff. You've done some, a lot of amazing stuff since there's a lot sure. to talk about, yeah. uh, but I'm just, I out mean, of my... I'm
0: ama- I am. I am amazing. You're right. But you know, <laughs> just there's so much, how could we ever cover it? <laughs> and <laughs> oh, see, stop. I <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. uh no, that's that's very that's very kind of you thank
1: you well I, I try to be as honest as possible on this show and I don't like I said I don't prepare things for this I don't have notes I don't do any of that stuff because I like to just flow right same thing I yeah, don't, I don't yeah. like the rules I like just whatever happens happens I love that yeah, and it, cool. it keeps it interesting for me and it makes it everything every one of them unique um mm-hmm. but you guys played on the Henry Rollins show yes set fire to the face on fire. That Mm -hmm. performance was Mm -hmm. one of my favorite performances I ever saw you guys do. Also, I'm a huge fan of Rollins, and I love that show. And that show just kind of disappeared into nowhere. Like, you can't even find it on DVD, I don't think. Yeah. So many good performances. But can you tell me about how that came about and what that was like doing that show? Because that was such a good performance, but in such an interesting environment. Like, that brick studio room. Yeah. Um, I've always always been wondered about it, and I've never asked anybody. About I it mean, now I, you know. I Henry Rollins was really cool because he, like, he
0: he liked our band, and like we would always hear that dude, did you hear like Henry Rollins was like, he played you on his radio show or like he would talk about our bands, like during his, like, um, his spoken word or his like talks and people be like, I saw Henry Rollins. He was talking about you guys. I was like, Whoa, that's cool. Um, and you know, I don't really recall like how we ended up like getting the offer to go on it or if like our publicist like pushed for it or if maybe he searched us out. Um, but I remember being like super stoked, like, hell yes. Like yeah. we're going to go play college shows <laughs> the college show. Like we didn't really know what to expect, you know? And when we showed up, it was like, that studio was crazy. It was so nice. Like it had this big kitchen. It's really nice control room. Like, I'm pretty sure it was like an SSL board, like just really, really pro and like really well done. Um, and I think we at the time, we were kind of at a point in our band where like we were really, really good live. Like we, we had like, I think we must've had enough touring under our belt at that point that we were like really good. And so I just remember like doing those live recordings is always weird because your headphones don't sound good or, you know, like, Mm -hmm. are you just like, whatever, like, it's a little uncomfortable. Like it's not a real, a real show, but you would like need to perform like it is. Um, in order for it to make sense. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and I just, I remember being really impressed with how, how good it sounded. Like usually those things don't turn out sounding as good as that one did. I feel like, especially with our band, for some reason, like I, like we always hated every live recording of us. Um, but that was just so cool. And it was like such an honor. And he was so cool. I mean, we only spent probably like, you know, 15, 20 minutes with him, like after or before, like talking to him. Mm -hmm. Um, but he, he was super cool and he's always been like super supportive. Um, you know, and I still have people like today who are like, don't know anything about the band that are like new in my life. And like, they'll be like, I I looked up your old band. You were on the Rollins show. Like it, it like immediately like legitimizes, like, the, the, yeah you know my my musical history to people who just are not are completely outside of it um and so that's that's always kind of fun um so i've gone back and, and re-watched it recently and it it's pretty good still like i'm pretty so impressed great
1: it's so great and
0: his intro is so <laughs> mark, funny because mark, mark, like... mark just like i'm just like every time i watch it i just can't stop watching mark yeah because i just think he you know he was the coolest like most stylistic drummer like you know on mm-hmm. record and off um you know i love his playing i love watching him play like you know i grew up writing with him like i learned to play the guitar like you know playing with that dude and so
1: you know that's an unbreakable bond right there yeah it's cool Dude. i have a
0: very i have a very um a tight relationship with his snare drum. Cause Ross Robinson actually pointed out something to me that I like play off of the snare, like, which is some, something that a lot of guitar players do. He's like, not a lot of guitar players, like accent, like off the snare drum I was like, I never realized it. And then like, now, like I totally notice it all the time. I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, like I played the snare. Like that's a very strange way
1: to play. Um <laughs> It is. Yeah, it is. What real quick, what era of Ross did you guys get? Because I've talked to, you know the corn guys and stuff and uh, mm-hmm. uh about him and talking about like throwing stuff at him and and oh, making yeah. him go crazy and then when i talked to uh a buddy of mine justin from he was playing for the us the band called seoson uh yeah. they were all sitting around meditating and hugging each other the whole time <laughs> so uh, yeah were you in the middle ground of that or like I was he still I, in gomo honestly
0: <laughs> i honestly think like he was he was trans like probably part part way into like his transition for it. Okay. He'd gotten into like a really bad motocross accident, like right oh, before shit. he did our records. So he had um this this crazy like um like cylinder around his leg with like all these pins going into his leg. And I'm you know, I'm pretty sure he was on like some serious painkillers for it. But I, I remember like him being very much like into the meditation and very like vibe and like, you know, like trust tree, like, you know, stuff like yeah. that. And we're kind of like, uh, what's going on with this dude? Like, but he, you know, I mean, you know, his mom is right. No. His mom is Byron Katie. What? Yeah. Do you know who that is? She's yeah. like a self self-help writer. Yeah. yeah. that's his mom. Um, so he's, you know, he comes from like a long line of like, really like, you know, deep thought. Um, and you know, he, I I still talk to him like, you know, fairly frequently. Um, you know, I've made records with him for many years after the band and, um, you know, we stay in touch and he's just always like the most positive, like supportive, like raddest guy, man. So he was definitely like, he was not into throwing shit. He didn't like, you know, he didn't really fuck with us at all. I don't know if he was just like, a little bit timid around us or maybe he was changing like how he communicated with bands mm-hmm. um because we, we were post at the drive-in and i think we were like maybe one of the first bands like that that he had recorded since he did them mm-hmm. um so you know interesting, interesting. yeah he was, he was great it was it was awesome it was the, the best experience it's
1: every everyone says how great it is working with russ it's just it's just across the board whether he's he's throwing shit or not like they're just like he's a wonderful person (laughs) you really have to think about but yeah he's he's the best wow we've talked about his mom before on the show and i I had no idea yeah mind blown i just learned something uh (laughs) well one thing i wanted to dive into with you is uh when you kind of walked away from music a little bit
0: yeah well i mean (laughs) I don't know that it was. It wasn't that. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't insanely intentional, but but yeah, that's the question because the effectively
1: yes. Like what what spawned that? Like what what was it that did it for you to where it took that and made it okay to walk away from that for you uh, when it happened? Like what was the what was the the Mm -hmm. motivation behind that? Right. Well. Now, if you're working, as most people are, online doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the Internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, You can use Spotify Canvas, synced Lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze, and you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid, and I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now, distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off.
0: Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So
1: join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm Is the website. There's three tiers tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me. And having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure.
0: I mean, truthfully, the motivation was just, the, you know, I, I think that it became very hard for someone in my position to make money playing music. Um, you know, like we, after that band broke up, you know, Johnny and I went on to do Jaguar Love and yeah. like, you know, I had had money saved up from when I was in the Blood Brothers and I sort of lived off it for the years that we were like, you know, making records with that band and touring. And then it's sort of like, it, it got hard, um, you know, because the, that band never really, we, we did all right, but we didn't like, We weren't making enough money to like pay rents and, you know, we're also getting older and becoming adults and realizing like, you know, I, I wasn't really given like the set of tools to live in the real world because, you know, my band signed when I was 18 and then I was just like always in a band and, you know, Mm -hmm. like, (laughs) You know blood brothers made money i got my deposit every month and we would go on tour and I'd come home with money and then you know whatever it wasn't really i didn't know a lot about like real world stuff you know and i think a lot of people from that time were sort of you know sold a lie a little bit like we were gonna just like be in bands forever and like no one prepared us like you know for it to maybe stop one day. It's like, you think when you're doing it, you're just like, Oh, I'm always going to do this. And I'm always going to be like taken care of financially. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like there's that, like, I wish that there were like for young bands, managers or agents or whoever, that's just like looks at a a longer plan for the people in the band because there's no education. Mm -hmm. (laughs) About, you know, investing or, you know, savings accounts or, you know, at least at least in our situation, we didn't have any any guidance in that way. And then when the band broke up, it was just like, oh, we're off to our own devices. And then, you know, so. I got pretty like burnt, you know, I was doing Jaguar Love and then we we kind of like fizzled out. And then I, you know, sort of did like some like hired gun touring. Like I played for like the Mer- like telekinesis, the merge like power pop band for a couple years. And then I was in like a Seattle band called my business for a few years, like playing music. And I was like trying to do like uh music compo- composition, for television. And like, you know, I, I scored like one target commercial and then I was like, okay, this is going to be cool. I'm going to be able to do this. Like I made like, you know, yeah. like, and I like ended up, you know, I ended up pitching on a few things. It was cool. You'd always get like a demo fee of some sort. And, you know, I made a little bit of money doing it. Um, but I wasn't, I didn't really have a band. I was like still living in Seattle. And I, you know, I stopped touring, um, with telekinesis. I did like a short stint with cold cave playing guitar. Um, and then, you know, I kind of just was like, somewhat lost musically um and then i like was just i had no idea how to like make music i think i was working at the school of rock i was like maybe i'll like be a guitar teacher like which turns out i'm terrible at um i'm not good at it at all the patience
1: needed yeah i just
0: i you know i just suck at it because i'm just like well you just do it like what Uh do you mean like you just play it like you have to like practice it over and over like I don't know how to tell you you how to do it better. Yeah. It's not, I'm not good at it. Um, but anyway, I, I ended up getting hit up by a a friend (laughs) that was like, Hey, um, Pat Monahan from the band train, uh, is looking for like someone to, you know, sort of demo songs with flesh out ideas and like record, like, you know, his, his demos for the band or whatever, like you got, your name got thrown in a hat, like the interest. And I was like, damn, at that time I, I barely knew how to use logic. You know, I taught myself how to use it and mm-hmm. I was doing recordings like in my room and stuff. And I was like, sure. And so I ended up meeting with him. I met with him and like his assistant uh, out in this cause he lives up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just like, went to this house that he was renting, that he was going to build a studio in and just to meet and be like, maybe see if this would be a good fit, you know? Um, which for me was like weird. Cause I didn't listen to train. I didn't, you know, it was a <laughs> completely different world from anything I was ever connected to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, and fairly intimidating. And I remember going and meeting with him and like, we're talking and he's like, you know, he looks at me and he's like a really like matter of fact, dude. It's awesome. He's like, so can you make a vocal sound good? And I was immediately, I was like, Oh, totally. But like, I had never recorded a vocal into a microphone, like one time, (laughs) like not for real. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) But I was just like, I I really want to do this. Like, you know, and I know I can do it. And so like, I, you know, I mean, I effectively lied my way into the job, Um, but we ended up becoming like really good friends. And I learned so much from that dude. Like, Just about like songwriting and playing and, you know, because I needed it to sound good, I like had to work on my like recording skills and, you know, really spend time doing it. And it was very cool because now all of a sudden I had this like really cool studio at my fingertips Mm -hmm. um, to like make music in. Um, and all the off time I could just go in there. So, and I was like the only one ever in there. So it's like when he was like off on tour or like not writing, I could always go in there and like do stuff. And, you know, I ended up like producing a record and like recorded like all of the, you know, the vocals for the dude York record and like guitars and bass in, in that place. Um, it was cool. He called it sunken forest. Uh, and he like ran a podcast out of there and, um, but I was also like finally getting paid. Like it paid really well. And it was like, you know, there was opportunity for writing credits on train songs and not none. I didn't ever get any songs. We did come up with some really cool songs together, but Mm -hmm. they never got chosen. Um, but like in there, I started what would become like my current project, which is GR Slayer. Mm -hmm. And this was in like 2000, Damn, it was before I moved to LA, so probably like 2012, 13 time. Okay, and I just started writing music because I was like, I'm in the studio. I don't. What else am I going to do? And just started like creating a bunch of music and with no intention to do anything with it, which is why I didn't for you know this many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I ended up like moving to LA, so I left that job, um, which was an awesome job, and moved to LA to just kind of just come be in LA. Um and so that's kind of when I I didn't technically walk away from music but it sort of just stopped happening because I was like I don't I don't want to like feel this way anymore. I don't want to feel bad about maybe like not making money from playing music or people coming to the show or like how many fucking CDs we sold. So I just sort of stopped like doing bands. Um, and I actually started working, uh, for the bachelor. I got like a job as a production assistant on the what? bachelor. Yeah. So it's like, I had a friend who worked on it many years ago and I called him. And I was like, I'm trying to move to LA and you know, I need a job. He's like, well, do you want to be a, a production assistant on the bachelor? And I was like, Old dude, I was 34. I was like, hey, yeah, sure. sure <laughs> man. <laughs> <Sign me laughs> why, why not? And so moved to LA, um, do that for like a year. And then, you know, all the while I'm, I'm still writing and making music and like, you know, like in my room and I have like a bunch of songs, but it's nothing, nothing is coming of it. Um, really. And then I got a call from Paul from at the drive-in and he was like, Hey, uh, we're looking like, I know you've been working like doing some production stuff. Like we're looking to bring someone on tour to like basically be like an assistant to our tour manager on the road out here. And I was like, damn, that sounds cool. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I was doing the, the PA work on the bachelor and headwind city had like released our record on vice and like did like one or two tours and then like nothing, you know? So it was just like, okay. Like, <laughs> not really playing a lot. You know what I mean? Edwin city was never meant to be like a full-time band. Um, You know, that's just a cool project that we all like got to do from time to time. Incredible band. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Yeah. And so from there, I like left the bachelor and, you know, went on tour with at the drive-in and like, you know, in, in true like music fashion, the tour manager who was meant, to do it, didn't get his work visa in time. So like I'm now in Austin for South by Southwest and we're in rehearsals. And I just became the tour manager because there was no one there to do it and they needed somebody to do it. So, and I'd never done that. I mean, I kind of done it for my bands, but you know, I was like, okay, so I guess I'm now going to tour manage this, this band. And it was like two tour buses and a semi truck. And I was like, I have no idea. Like you know i barely know how to use excel like i kind of do because i've been doing it at like as a production assistant like yeah but not really (laughs) and so i i just i just dove in and you know paul was very good you know he had done it for many years for other bands and so he taught me a lot and i sort of stumbled my way through it for a few tours and then um something happened and I was like back home and I like, I went off the road with them. I stopped touring with them. And then I was like, okay, what am I like? What am I going to do? Like, what Mm -hmm. am I doing? (laughs) You know? Um, and then I like, I went through a divorce, um, in that time, uh, you know, which is, which is tough, uh, you know, for, for anybody, but you know, it ended up, being a good thing in my life. And, you know, I moved on. I started, like, I, I met my friend, Andrew, who played in a band called moon honey. Mm -hmm. Um, Andrew Martin, who's in like a bunch of bands currently that are, that are all kicking ass. Um, and he was like, I just showed him all the music I had. He was like, dude, you should have a band. Like, this is cool. Like, you know, I was like, no, like, I don't know. Like, you know, come over, play on these demos. And then, you know, he, he was like, I think you should play a show. And I was like, yeah, but I don't have a band. He's like, well, well, I booked you a show. It's in two months. So we got to put a band together. So he like <laughs> he, he like booked a show at the hi-hat and then I was like, okay, well, I guess like, you know, I'm going to have to figure out these J.R. Sarah songs. And, you know, so we put together a band and started playing around LA and it was like, truly just like, okay, like, this is awesome. Like I'm playing music again, but I really, I really intentionally started doing it without having anything more in mind. Mm-hmm. You know, it really was to just be like, I want to like feel like I used to feel when I would make songs and music and not be worried about if it's going to sell or if anybody comes or if anybody fucking streams it or, you know, like I just really was just like, okay, I, I have all this material that I should probably, start expressing and putting out there. So, um, I did that. And then, you know, again, very casual, like nothing else. And then I went back on the road without the drive-in and I was like tour managing at the drive-in and King cruel, like sort of at the same time. And it was when the ooze was out and like at the drive-in was on like their sort of tail end of their reunion. Mm -hmm. Um, it was very cool because they, the tours didn't rub so i was able to like bounce from tour to tour and then they went off the road all and you know in in the meantime like when i would come home i would like you know work on my jr slayer stuff and like play music and here and there maybe play a show and um but eventually both those bands went off the road and i was kind of like what am i going to do like i don't really want to tour manage more bands like i don't want to learn learn a whole new band and their needs and you know, their requirements. And yeah. I ended up hanging out with a friend of mine that was still working on the bachelor. Um, and he was like, well, we have like a position on the show. You should come interview if you want to like, you don't know what you want to do. And, you know, mm-hmm. and then I just went and interviewed and then I started working on bachelorette in 2018 or nine, I was say 2019 and then basically i have just worked on that show since, um, you know, like I've You're just still been doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a field manager on the show. And I, you know, I, I do like yeah. all of the, all of the like casting crew movements to and from set, like, you know, I'll sort of manage those and coordinate those and, you know, deal with the vendors. And so I've been doing that up until now. Um, <laughs> and then kind of doing the band in between, um,
1: so. So, this is one of the most fascinating there's so many things here that, is, <laughs> that are coming out that are so incredibly <laughs> fascinating
0: no so is like, this is great like this is
1: this is a lot of people's story is super interesting with their origin story or you know like uh, your your time in between is is fat you 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 go to work for the dude from train <laughs> lie your way into it which is incredible yeah. uh Thanks, the, just just the ball the balls to do that but I mean what did you have to lose really but like nah, yeah but but to still go for it and then pivot that into I now have a place to learn how to do what I was lying about but also pull off the job
0: yeah yeah we, we had, a good, had a good relationship
1: yeah yeah and yeah but to go from these are all things i and i, I remember the the at the drive-in days were part of that four years of us doing this conversation she's like oh i'm heading out with this band and oh, yeah, right. this band i was like oh shit okay yeah i didn't know the extent of it uh but so much logistics you're working with now like and and that's such a weird thing going from uh, when, when you were saying that like when things got to be kind of a jaded thing I, is what i'm gathering where you know how many tickets sold or what where town are we in today yeah it was, uh, it was gonna sell it
0: was, it was toxic my relationship with music was very toxic and I, I really needed to get rid of
1: that but then you went into the complete other side of being responsible for all those things with other bands right like you (laughs) went to the other side and became (laughs) it basically yeah just switched sides which is fascinating and then excelled in that and made it into a career and then now going into tv and and behind the scenes with the there's so much behind the scenes with tv i had never even understood which is crazy to me how much goes in now that portland's like a hit spot for shows yeah, it's crazy. Seeing what one scene takes, like mm-hmm. when they film down your street, mind-boggling the amount of yeah. hours and time that goes into that. Um, but, and 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 I'm sorry about your divorce, and, and that's terrible. I know things are better now, but going through that kind of thing is, I, oh, my God. Um, but coming out on the other side of that and going back out on the road and doing these things, did you, did you, and, and the the theme that keeps coming back is, well, what am I going to do now? When you're in the moment of making the money, having a job, are you thinking about that moment coming again? Or does that just hit you like a ton of bricks when it just ends and it's like, shit, what am I going to do? Um, Like, is that anxiety in the back no, of your No, I mean,
0: I, I, I think the last few years, you know, like I because that kind of logistical stuff didn't come natural to me, I really had to work hard at it, you know, and I, the tour managing stuff, I really had to work hard at learning it and, you know, doing all of that. And then even going into, you know, I was able to bring a lot of it into like the TV stuff Mm -hmm. um, because they, you know, they're, they are very similar productions, production in a lot of ways and just change the terms and, you know, the budget slightly. And, um, But, you know, I, it wasn't easy for me, either one, you know, I really had to like struggle through learning both, um, you know, and, and now at this point on the TV stuff, I've been doing it for a few years. Like, you know, like I, you know, effectively like sort of run my own little department and like, Mm -hmm. you know, I have some comfort there. So it's not like, it's not like, you know, it's an overwhelming job because it's an overwhelming job, but it's, it's not out of my comfort zone anymore. Um, you know which which is cool um you know but i also like i'm not going to work the next season of the show like you know like i'm i'm taking a little break and you know focusing some energy like into jr slayer which is you know already a little controversial because it's it's sort of like the origin of the project was sort of not to give, expect anything back from it, you know? And so, but at the same time, I've kind of reached a point where like, I really wanted it to give me give back to me and I wanted to give it something and receive as opposed to like only just want to receive from it. And so like, I feel like I, I'm currently in a situation where like I, I couldn't be, have more gratitude or grateful because basically like what I wanted to do with it happened, which was like, I want to start this project, record a bunch of music on my own, play some shows. Like just start releasing art and get it out there and see what happens with it. And then, you know, I fast forward, however many like singles I've released on tune core myself, where I recorded them in my bedroom and, you know, did all the artwork myself and mixed them. And, you know, and then now like I, I have a record deal with like a producer that, you know, I, I'm just like totally flattered and honored to be working with. And like, I, I stop sometimes like, wait, like this is weird because this is like, this was, this is happening organically. Like I wanted it to, and (laughs) sometimes forget, like, I'm like, oh shit, this is actually, you know, like really cool. Like, you know, my, my friend Jason that, do you know Jason Klein? No, I don't. You no, know, uh, he plays bass with me, but he basically was friends with Will. Okay. And, you know, was like we were living together and we were like listening to some of my music is like, you know what? I think I should send this to Will. Um, and I was like, you know, I didn't know who Will was really. I didn't like know a lot about his world and the bands and like kind of what he had created and what he was like involved in and doing. And then he was like oh dude he just like hit me back he said he really likes it (laughs) i was like what like a pretty he like wants to record you and i was like what like uh, you know and so like you know and for those of you listening i'm talking about will Yip, Mm um (laughs) the, the the legend yes um but we talked for like months and months like about trying to figure out some time to like get together and like do some recording, like, you know, to the point where I was sort of like, Jason, what's up with your friend? Will? like, are we doing this or not? You know, like, cause like my time was always very limited. It would be like, I'm available for these amount of weeks mm-hmm. because I'm in between shooting, um, you know, like this is when I can do something. And then like COVID hit. And then like, you know, like it, this was kind of all around the same time. Mm-hmm. So like the world shut down, So like nothing was happening and then like the TV show figured out a way to do these like bubbles. And so we started working like pretty quickly, like within a few months, um, you know, I got really lucky because my fiance at the time lived in Vancouver and I was able to get across the border to be in Vancouver, like with her right when the fucking airport shut down. Mm -hmm. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I managed to get out of LA and go up there and, and live there with her. And you know, we've we've since gotten married. Um, we got married last December.
1: Congratulations. Was, yeah,
0: yeah, awesome. That's excellent. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh now we're just waiting on her green card, um, which is a very long process. Um, but you know, fingers crossed we'll be getting that soon. Um, but anyway, you know Will and I sort of started talking peripher- peripherally like a very long time ago, and then it was I think winter of 2021, 2020, winter of 2020, we actually like, I went and shot a season of the bachelor and I think we were in Nima um, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And then went, rented a car at the end of it. It worked out perfect that we like shot right up almost till Thanksgiving. So I just rented a car and drove to Philly. Um, we were South of Pittsburgh And then I just like stayed in there in an Airbnb in Philly for a few weeks and like Jason came out and then like, you know, we went in the studio and like, I was like, ah, this is real. Like, you know what I mean? Cause up until that point I was like, I don't know if this is real. Like, cause also like my just sort of hesitations in general around the project and, and putting too much pressure on the project and, you know, like, keeping it special and not wanting to ruin it for me. I was just like very hesitant, you know what I mean? So I'm like, yeah, until I see like the plane ticket, like I don't believe this is happening. Like, you know, and then there was a plane ticket and an Airbnb and a car rental. And then, you know, I was there and then, you know, like I spent Thanksgiving alone, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause I just, you know, situationally I was out there and um, yeah, and then I was just like, okay, I'm making this record. And this was a few years ago now. Right. So it's like, I'm still not even like, you know, I'm not relying on this project to do anything other than what it is, Mm -hmm. you know, and the really cool thing about Will is that like for him, I think situationally, like he's kind of the same, like he, like he, he loves the project. He loves the music. He loves the, the collaboration. Um, You know, he doesn't necessarily probably need anything from it. You know what I mean? Like, cause he's got a million things going on. So it's, it's really like a cool situation. I'm like rad. So like, we like we track, we get all the basic tracks done. Um, Benjamin Walsh from tiger's jaw came in and played drums on it, uh, which was super cool. Um, that dude is awesome and a total sweetheart and like was rad that he was available to come in and like, you know, we were COVID testing every day and it was like scary and, you know, like Mm -hmm. just not weird for me because I'm already doing it all the time at work. Um, but still it was, I was nervous because I was like, damn, like if one of us comes down with this, like, I'm not going to get another chance to come out here for you know i don't know when the next time so but we managed to get through it we got all our basic tracks done and then you know fast forward to one winter later i went back <laughs> finished all the overdubs um in that time my my sister sings in the band uh so like you know i tracked her vocals in l.a um you know and then so since that time it's been mixed and now it's it's coming out september 9th on memory music which i'm excited about
1: dude it's so good too and i i I was uh, one one major theme that i think going through this conversation with you is is I, i think you got the purity back that you were looking for it sounds like with 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 music like you you mended your relationship with music somewhat to where mm. it could be pure again and that's uh, the machine doesn't just come and like what's that what's that move with terminator 2 where they said they found edward furlong in an arcade and said you're gonna be in this movie yeah that doesn't happen with music they don't go and see you know what i mean like unless it's maybe new kids on the block or something but like they don't say hey that kid's cool looking let's put them in this band it starts out pure (laughs) yeah and then it gets tainted later so but you kind of have to let it get tainted and when you're new to it you don't notice it happening yeah until it's happened to you and it's happened to you yeah same thing with a marriage failing right like it's the greatest thing in the world until things start going south and once you've gone through that same with music same with all these things you're you have the, the, the fortitude to get back on the horse, to go try again and give it your all and see what happens. That's mm-hmm. one thing I'm seeing from this story, which is really inspiring because you could have spiraled out of control after music did what it did. You could have spiraled out of control when when you went through your divorce. You could have gone any number of directions, but you got back into music and did, You know it's important to you. You got back into it and did something pure you found a new person in your life and, and are giving it the shot again, right? Like it's that, it's that, I don't want to say bravery, but it's that, it's that just that drive to continue, right? Mm -hmm. Like some people's lives would end in those situations, but it's so cool to see what's come from these things with you. Uh, you know what I mean? Like the the music's fantastic, but the fact that you're, you know, you're doing all these things again, like I'm going to try again, you know, like that's that's the inspiring part of it. That's the cool part of it because uh like I said, it could go the other way. But you Yeah, you know, and and you
0: know, currently it's it's a little bit scary in the moment because you know, I've sort of made the decision to, you know, take some time off of like work and you know, like put some real energy in into this project and you know, like pay respect to the fact that like you know, I've got people like Will and and Tim and memory and like, people are like put, putting some faith in it and, and doing something with it. And like, for me, I just, you know, one, I don't think the opportunity comes around like a lot these days, especially like for like a old hardcore kid, like that was a guitar player in a band to, you know, have his like songs that he sings and writes and plays like, you know, have somebody care about and, you know, put energy into and and give it life so for me it's just like i you know i really want to like pay respect to that you know and i situationally like you know i i couldn't be in a better position to to do it even though it's like you know uh, you know obviously i can't just like quit working and hit the road <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i mean like I, you know i'm 40 um you know and that's not not something i'm trying to do but You know, I have, you know, my wife is very supportive and she's amazing and really pushes me to, to do things. And, um, you know, I've, I've got will and the record and really just like, uh, you know, I, it, it means a lot to me and I want to make sure that I, I give it what I think it deserves, especially given that like it's giving back to me currently. So like, I want to give time to it and, and not take advantage of what a cool opportunity is to have like be able to fly to Philadelphia and work in like a real recording studio with like a, an amazing producer and collaborate. And, you know, like we went out and shot a music video and did a live session last a couple weeks ago. And like, you know, it's like, we're doing really cool stuff with it. And I just want to make sure that I'm giving the like right energy back to that and not just like, Like I said, I don't want to take it for granted or pretend like it's not like the coolest opportunity for someone in my position who basically has a band that's new Mm -hmm. and nobody knows about and, you know, someone's taking a chance
1: on it. Yeah, dude, you can tell like you can tell the excitement. I do a lot of these conversations, Mm -hmm. hundreds of these conversations, and I cherish every one of them. But I also learn from them a lot and yeah. watching just watch and this is why i do zoom with video i don't release the video but like it helps with the conversation because your entire body language changed when you started um, talking about this project you can tell wow. when someone's genuinely excited about something right like it just everything yeah. changes like your yeah. whole face lit up like you know what i mean like that's that's yeah that's where the real magic is man and you know yeah, what I mean, what that, that yeah. excitement <laughs> that that is what yeah. you had as a kid right like that's what made you explore things and try that's what made you live in a van and 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 uh you know get on the the three dollars a day budget you know like you would yeah. fight through that because you loved what you were doing before yeah. the hands got in the pot <laughs> and the and the pressures and the you know uh that that stuff can be dangerous but like what you're doing now is the purity's back and it's on your it's on your schedule it's on your and you can do it when you want to and that's the way it should have always been but yeah now it's better than ever to really because you've learned these lessons you've gone through these things you've struggled for years now you can really enjoy it right it's like and and not to use the word retirement but like i'm a tradesman now so I, i'm a commercial plumber instead of a musician right i'm yeah. i have a pension i have a retirement to look forward to Mm -hmm. when I can do everything I want when I want to do it. Right. But now, and when it's on my terms, which right now for you is on your terms and you, you're lucky enough to do that because of the struggles and the the sacrifices you've made. And uh, it's awesome. That's happening to you at 40, not at 65. (laughs)
0: right? Yeah. I still got a little time, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. Which
0: also, you know, truthfully is, you know, it is another consideration into, you know, why I think it's, it's important for me to sort of like take the risk. Um, It's because, you know, there's not a lot of, a lot of time left in life when you're young to go jump around on a stage or, you know, like, Mm maybe take things a little less serious. And, you know, I, I think I would feel more regret if I just kept working and didn't like at least like, you know, dip my toe back into what I think I'm best at, mm-hmm. um, which is playing music. Um, so it's
1: amazing, I just amazing given the opportunity.
0: Yeah. Like I, you know, I just, like, I, I have to do it and you know i'm just I, ha- I have a lot of gratitude and i'm stoked that we
1: finally got to talk about it <laughs> i am too man i'm glad i am so glad and i like i said i'm glad this is happening now i really am yeah. uh you know today it was a good day and and uh man i'm stoked for for everyone else to hear this because it's it's really good and and uh i'm, I'm just it's such a, so awesome to hear the story behind things um but also and piece it all together To where you are now, you know what I mean. Because when you lay it all out there, you can start picking up things from from you know what's being said, and and just that theme of just trying again, or just keep keep pushing. Like you just keep pushing, and things just keep happening. And it's such a cool story, and all the little things peppered in the middle of just crazy situations where (laughs) you find yourself in.
0: Like I I I forget, like you know, because it's it's not a lot of these things aren't things I think about often. You know, I don't think about the sequence of my life on a daily basis. Yeah. But when I like tell them in an order, I'm like, yeah, that is pretty weird. Like some pretty like random things that I've done in my life that none of it really makes any sense. But does it, (laughs) it
1: doesn't have to, it's all a series of events. That's all life is, is a series of events and what we do with those. It's all random. It's all random. Just like thoughts. We go down a rabbit hole on that. But it's uh, it's just everyone's collection of parts, like, like mm-hmm. what John Goodman said. You have a lot of parts here.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we
1: kind of call them songs, but it is, I guess, just a bunch of parts. Yeah. that's what life is, right? It's building a yeah. record, and mm-hmm. the record that you know at the end is is you know what you're gonna leave behind. Yeah, I'm gonna have to start watching The Bachelorette now, man. <laughs> like, like, yes, I've never <laughs> once seen an episode of The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. Yeah, yeah, but uh. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to check it out now. I have to find
0: my name and the little credits.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look at that location. <laughs> my mom will sometimes like send me a photo of it. She gets very excited. That's awesome. <laughs> your, your family is loving what you're doing.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, my, my, my sister plays in the band with yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. So that's super cool. Um, you know, like I think everyone's excited and it's it's actually very cool. And I I do need to get you hooked up with Rocky because his new record actually comes out the same day as mine, like very coincidentally. Yeah. I was texting with him. I was like, so what's going on with your record? He's like, Oh, i got the release date, September 9th. And I'd like, like memory had just told me like days before, like, I was like, dude, that's crazy. Like, so, you know, we've been, we've been talking a bunch and, you know, just sort of, you know, cause he's, he's in a similar situation where he's like going to start doing stuff again. He hasn't put out a record in you know, eight years or something. So, yeah. y- you know, like it's kind of an exciting time, but also like, you know, scary as yeah, well.
1: Absolutely. We should do a double feature.
0: <laughs> that would be really cool. <laughs> That'd yeah. be so cool.
1: <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I would love that. And, um, i we need to we'll figure out when we're going to put this up we're going to put it out on release day or we want to do it before i'm down to put it out whenever um, okay and whatever whatever helps you the most do you, know, um, do you know do you know jamie coletta i don't um over I, over at memory you don't know her okay uh-uh.
0: um i've got a meeting with her on monday just about publicity in general so okay. i'll kind of see like what they think okay what makes most sense? Like, is it better to do it like at the front or like maybe a little later, like mm-hmm. to just like, continue to have things to talk about? I don't really know because I don't, I don't know how the lay of that land works. These and you days. don't need
1: to. Yeah. You're just creating. Yeah. <laughs> That's the beauty of it.
0: So, um, it. you know, I don't know if, do
1: you have any insight like to kind of what you think works best or, you
0: know, what you've seen that works?
1: We've done a lot. We've done a lot where we release it on the day the album comes out. So it's like a partner to it. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know because they can listen to the record digest it and then hear the story of it or or vice versa listen to the story first Mm -hmm. um we've done ones where we just play uh, like a single like the single that's going to be out we play it on the episode um done a whole lot of different things we did a with hot water music's last record we did like a, a a collection of of episodes with the melvins we did, I did an episode with all the Melvins and we released them all at once on the same day when that uh, five-legged dog came out. Um, um, so Buzz and and uh, Dale and and Steven, like we all, they all came out at once in a, just a blast, all three episodes.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so we've done all yeah. kinds of different ways and they all, I mean, they all work. It's just a matter yeah. of which one you want to do. So. Okay. All um, right. Yeah, I'd love to chat to Rocky. I'd love there's so many there's so many people on my list that I, after th- almost 300 episodes, I still have on my list. That's so um, cool. Does Paul live in Portland? He does. I heard that. Yeah, and I, I reached out to Tony and Tony said he would do it. And then he just kind of disappeared. God, and then Paul, hit me back. I, and doubt, then...
0: I, I don't know. I doubt Paul would do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't
1: know. I just, I, everyone's like, hey, I think he lives in Portland. And I was like, oh,
0: okay. think he does live in Portland. You know, I lived in Portland for like five years. I didn't know that. Yeah. I moved there after the Blood Brothers broke up and we started Jaguar Love because Johnny had bought a house there and they were running Crystal City clothing out of it. And mm. so Jay and I, we actually had intended to move to Los Angeles. We were just going to go to Portland write the record and then move to LA. But then we ended up like signing to matador and we stayed in Portland, mm-hmm. and, you know, like
1: that makes that sense. Whole thing
0: yeah. I so first I was met there... Johnny
1: at a target at Mall five. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I
0: was there. I was what? there 2008 to 2010. Okay.
1: That's right. Yeah. yeah. Right in that window. That's right where I, I ran don't... into him in the food area. And I was like, what the hell? Yeah. And uh yeah, him and Art Alexakis from Everclear, both of that target. Oh, so weird. Yeah it was just (laughs) random like southeast portland like who's over there Um, Uh, but yeah man it's uh i'm i'm just i'm overwhelmingly stoked for where you're at and what you're doing and and, thanks uh, man i really appreciate the time doing this um you know i know life's busy and and uh you could have been doing anything else for last hour and hour and a half (laughs) but uh i appreciate you spending it with me man yeah man yeah dealing with my questions because I don't usually have questions, but with people I've been listening to for a long time, there's all kinds of things that pop in my mind. Yeah. That's cool. Um,
0: well, I, I hope that I, I managed to give you some insight that was
1: helpful for you. Dude, you did. <laughs> you did. It's absolutely fabulous. But uh, I'll let you get back to your, your, uh, your evening here and, and, uh, just keep doing what you're doing, man. And keep in touch and, and uh, uh, we'll do what we need to do. If so sweet. <laughs> right on my friend. Radical. Well, all right. Thanks. Dewey. Hey, thank you. We'll talk soon. All right, buddy. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Cody Vadalato. Go check out the new J.R. Slayer music. The new EP coming out. Not Rotten is incredible. You guys are really going to love it. Uh, if you've been a fan of anything he's done in the past, uh, you're definitely going to love this. Uh, and it may be something you start with new and go back through his back catalog, but he has got a very impressive pedigree in the music business. And uh, yeah, now working in TV. What an what a incredible change of pace. Um, But just an amazing story. So I hope you guys enjoyed that chat. Thank you very much to Cody for making the time to come on the show. Uh, He's also connected me with some other people that'll be coming on the show as well. Um, Just been a good buddy. So uh, thank you for that. Thank you guys for coming back week after week, listening to this show, uh, reviewing it, uh, subscribing to it, telling friends about it. It just really, really helps out. The show is growing like crazy. And I can't thank you guys enough for that. Um, So if you have not already, and you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, go write a review. If you're listening on Spotify, go give it a rating. Give it a five-star rating. It helps us with chart position and algorithm and all that bullshit, Uh, but it definitely helps us. I I mean that. And thank you guys so much. I love each and every one of you, I I really do. Please go do something nice for somebody this week and uh, you can do something nice for me and tell someone about this show. Um, But I'm gonna get out of here. I got a ton left to do. Thanks again to Cody. Go check out the new JR Slayer uh, EP, it's awesome. Uh, definitely, definitely recommend it. All right, guys, as always, we'll see you on the radio.
0: 18- Plus.